Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Scripture lessons this morning come from the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And so Samuel went back and lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place, And the Lord came and he stood there calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather again this morning gathered to bear our hearts to you, gathered to listen with an eagerness to hear who you would have us be and what you would have us do. So, O Lord, speak to us so clearly this day that our souls might leap with joy that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. In pre-pandemic times, mid-January is the first indicator as to how well one will do on following through with their New Year's resolutions. I mean, usually by now, if you set the goal to go to the gym and to get in shape, you've been going to the gym, realize it regularly, but you realize you don't have a training plan like couch to 5K or absolute abs or arms of Adonis. Or maybe if you pledge that you were going to cook more this year, that you have been cooking up a storm in and out and day and 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 night, but you have exhausted your menu repertoire and not sure what you will cook for dinner tonight. Or maybe if you pledge to read the Bible every day or just to read a book in general every day, you've been doing it, but you're not yet hooked, are you? Quite possibly, that's the place we find ourselves. The novelty of that goal has worn off 
And friends, that's where the real work begins. Because the race is not won as a sprint, it's run as a distance race. Constant and repetitious, doing it over and over again, going deeper towards that goal. Two weeks ago, right here in worship, aided by Wesley's covenant prayer, we pledged ourselves to enter into a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God, a closer walk with thee, if you will. And then last week, we remembered our baptismal vows and the importance of them and the gospel imperative that comes through them to reject evil and oppression, to resist temptation and to not turn back and to even let God's grace and glory permeate all aspects of our lives. If we are serious, my friends, if we are serious about cultivating and maintaining a closer and deeper relationship with God, then now is the time for you and for me for us to roll up our sleeves, to dig in on that goal. And so over the next three weeks, may the Wesley's Covenant Prayers serve as our training plan. And if we do that, if we let it serve as that, as that becomes part of our habit, then maybe just maybe the transformation that happens in us, in our church and in our world will be evident to each other and to everyone with whom we meet. I mean, in our text today out of 1 Samuel, it's that classic calling of a servant of God. I mean, it could be our calling, the story as we look at its elements side by side with Wesley's covenant prayer, we see that it may truly be speaking to us and to who God calls us to be. I mean, Eli was a priest in the temple at a time when it seemed that God was not speaking to the people. Now, this is not because God was not speaking, but it was really because the people were not listening Their hearts were not tuned to God. Their hearts were corrupt. They were focused on themselves and what they thought was best for themselves and for the world around them. But then there's Samuel, just a young boy who is there to assist the priest, to help this aging priest who longs to hear the word of God. Samuel is there and he's in bed one night laying there in the Ark of the Covenant right there where God supposedly rests. And he hears his name called and he mistakes it three times for Eli. Three times for Eli calling to him, but the third time when he hears that, Eli tells him, go back and lay down because I think God's speaking to you. And so as the text records, it happens. And Samuel says those words that should ring in our hearts. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. See, Samuel was in a place to hear the word. Samuel was seeking to hear it. He was seeking to do what it is that God called him to do. That's what those words say. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. And as we look at that text alongside the first part of Wesley's covenant prayer, we begin to realize that if we surrender to ourselves, surrender ourselves to God and have an upward focus on God and what God says to us, then we too can hear the word of God. 
Hear with me those first three lines of that prayer. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. I'm no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. See, in this part of the prayer, we come to understand the importance of surrendering our will to God's will for our lives. The importance of seeking God's will in our lives and ultimately the importance of doing God's will. That's that whole idea of an upward focus. And so as we begin to get our head around that, we begin to understand that this is how the transformation happens in our relationship with God. Let's be really clear. This prayer is about surrendering control. I am no longer my own, but thine. Surrendering control is not an easy thing for us to do. Any one parent who has ever sent a child out the door armed with keys and a license or off to college, or if you've climbed the ranks in your organization and you've surrendered control of your calendar to an assistant, or maybe newlyweds realizing that you plus me equals we, or maybe at the other end of life spectrum when you have surrendered the keys for the final time. Giving up control is not something that we as humans are good at doing, but surrendering our agenda, surrendering our self-interest, surrendering our personal desire for God's will, for God's agenda to prevail is what you and I, in fact, are called to do. We are called to surrender all of that so that God's will becomes our focus. That means that we are to be about making ourselves available to God in mind, body, and spirit. To be in right relationship, it's got to be about God and not about us. So in order to make ourselves available to God and to God alone, we do that through prayer. We do that through praying this prayer, but more importantly about having an active prayer life. I mean, it needs to be a routine, just like working out, just like daily reading, just like desiring whatever goal you set. It's only achieved if we do it over and over and over again. Not only do we need a routine, but we need a pattern, some sort of form that we use. I mean, the great thing about us being Methodist is there's always been a method to the way we do things. Maybe we pray just like what Susanna did where there's that litany you know, the order of morning prayer or midday prayer or evening prayer has a litany in it, prayers of the people. Or maybe it's praying Wesley's prayer over and over again each day, thinking about what those words mean to us. But it's not just regular prayer, it's prayer with an intensity. Prayer without ceasing is what we're called to do, to be in this constant state of prayer where we are looking and listening and that's exactly what we need to do. Constantly praying, constantly listening to what God says to us. I mean, I think about Samuel, where he was in the right spot. You know, right there in the house of God. But more importantly, what that really means is metaphorically, he had his heart available to right where God was. And that he was still and quiet and willing to listen. Speak, Lord, 
for your servant is listening. For us to ask God to speak, maybe think about in your prayer life or when you see things that were around you, when there is that discomfort, that unease with what you see in life, where something troubles your soul, pay attention because that is God speaking to you. And it's in that moment that you need to say, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. And it's at that very moment that we utter those words. That it's no longer about us, but it's about God. And so once we go from that where we open our hearts to God and to what God's will could be, and we surrender to that, we begin to seek it in our own lives. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. In other words, tell me what you want. Speak to me and tell me where you're calling me. I want to seek that out. Just this week, I had three different conversations with young adults who are in various stages of calls to ministry. Two of them are members of this congregation. The other is a daughter of a fraternity brother of mine. And in each of them, they were in this stage of answering God's call to ordained ministry. And what's striking about their journey is that each of them has some idea as to what God is calling them to do but they recognize that it's still not firm. It's still evolving, still changing. And so they're listening even harder, even more intently. None of them is sure as to what the United Methodist Church is going to look like or be like when they get on the other side of seminary, but they are faithfully stepping forward saying, here I am, send me. And each of these has said simply, Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening as they seek God's will for their lives. See, if you and I truly desire that deeper relationship with God and we surrender our will, then we must allow God to place us right where God needs us. We must allow God to deploy us in the world for ministry. You know, Paul calls, uh, the, uh, calls us, the Christians, the followers of Christ, as the priesthood of all believers. Yes, some of us are set apart for ordained ministry, but all of us are called. All of us are called to serve as ministers of the gospel by thought, word, and deed. God has given each of us specific skills, talents, and gifts. And if we surrender our lives to God, then part of that is surrendering our will that we let God show us where and how to use those gifts for the betterment of the kingdom. Oftentimes when our nominations and lay leadership committee sits around and talks about different people that might be good to serve on this committee or might be good to do this or to lead this project, someone says, well, you can ask them, but they're probably going to say no. And I always tell this joke, and it goes back to that statement when Jesus sends the apostles, the disciples into Jerusalem looking for the donkey before Palm Sunday. And, I, you know, Jesus tells him, he says, if somebody gives you any lip about that, any grief about taking that donkey, just say, the Lord requireth. And so what we sit around in the meeting is we say, well, you know, Martha won't do this. I say, well, you just tell her, the Lord requireth. And we all laugh about it. And I will tell you, just candidly, every once in a while, I've almost said those exact words, asking someone to be in leadership. But the reality is the Lord does requireth you and I to serve. 
The Lord does require you and I to answer the calling upon our lives to use those gifts and talents and abilities. And so if that's the case, don't wait for the phone to ring. Listen intently to what God is calling you to do. Seek out God's will for your life and go where God needs you. How do we find that out? Again, through this prayer by turning our focus upward upon God and God's calling upon our lives. And finally, as we begin to surrender our will to God's will, as we begin to open our lives up to seek it and to see where God is calling us to do, the third part of that prayer enters in. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. I love that. Just an openness, Lord, put me to work is what we're really saying. In church administrative circles, there's always a discussion board going on about church vehicles. Now, many churches will bike ours, will buy a church van or a bus because there's a definite need for it and it gets used on a regular basis. But some churches have it in their mind that they need to buy a van or a bus for the youth group because they take one mission trip a year. They might go on a spring retreat and a winter ski trip. And so that bus or that van only gets used maybe three times a year, maybe four. And the rest of the time it sits in the parking lot of the church. Well, if you know anything about cars, after a while, those tires begin to dry rot. And so long before their 40,000 miles have ever been used up in tread life, those tires are dangerous. They're useless. And so the church leadership has, in order to keep everyone safe, has to replace the tires long before their tread life has worn out. They dry rot. Friends, the same is true for you and for me and our gifts and that which God has endowed us with. If we don't put them to use, if we don't seek that active relationship where we are living and doing what God calls us to do, the gifts and the talents that we have will dry rot as well. They will die on the vine from disuse. Now more than ever, for the sake of God's kingdom, we can't let that happen. The third part of the day's section of this prayer is all about that. It asks God to put us to doing, to put us to use, so that the tread life of our gifts gets worn up and used out for the sake of God's kingdom. And when we do that in concert with each other, think about what we are able to accomplish. To feed the sick, to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, take care of the sick house the homeless, to sing that all the world would hear the beautiful music of God's creation, to bring people to Christ and in relationship with God, all because we are willing to use our gifts and talents for the sake of improving God's kingdom. So here we are. The third weekend in January, starting the third week where that litmus test to see if our desire for a deeper relationship with God sticks or begins to fade out of the gate like so many other resolutions that we hope and dream of. But see, I think this is the most important one. This is the one that God really wants for us, and this is the one that will have the biggest impact on the world. But the first step for you and for me is to surrender our lives to surrender our lives and ourselves to God, to take that upward look and say, Lord, use me where you will. 
Lord, show me where you want me to go. And Lord, put me to work. And when we do those things, people will see that there is a renaissance, that there is a rejuvenation, that the kingdom is building and growing and expanding like it has never grown or expanded before. Because simply we are focused on who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.